0: Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hello, Greenhorns. This is Chevron and this is Greenhorns Radio. As I'm sure you have figured out, it's a radio show about young farmers, for young farmers, Uh pursuing the continuing horizon of our knowledge. Uh, Today is a great day because we're talking about flowers with Hedda uh, Brostrom, who is the owner and farmer and flower grower at Full Bloom Flower in Greaton, California. And I'm delighted to have you on the show, Hedda. And will you mind telling us a little bit, how did you first fall into
1: flowers? Thanks, Severin, for having me. Um... My background in flowers just started recently, but I think I've always really loved flowers. My One of my chores growing up was to go out in the yard and find flowers and make arrangements for the house, so it started pretty young. And then um, more professionally, I ended up at the um, program that UC Santa Cruz has, the Farm Apprenticeship Program. That's a wonderful six-month program immersion program, and there you work on a 20-acre farm, doing all sorts of different tasks of learning how to do farm production for veggies, but they also have a really um, wonderful flower program in two of the gardens, and I ended up in charge of teaching people the stage of harvest when I was in one of the gardens that was in full bloom during the summer when I was there, and that just really... Really was a wonderful experience, and making bouquets with 17 people at the end of a harvest day when everyone's a little bit tired and a little bit silly, and just creating big heaps of beauty to bring down to the market was really fun, and that's that's how I got hooked.
2: So you're growing flowers, and you're part of a whole team of folks who have been falling in love with flowers and growing flowers, and teaching themselves how to grow all these incredible varieties from seed. And, in fact, even though flowers are not considered in some ways um, as badass as vegetables by some people, in fact, um, all the different kinds of cultural needs that the flowers have means that you're probably even bigger ninjas than vegetable growers. But we'll leave that controversy aside for a little bit. Can you talk about some of the issues that you guys as new flower growers um, are running into in terms of consumer demand and um, what the market pressures are for flowers, um, and since we're importing such a great percentage of the cut flowers in this country um, from sweatshop conditions abroad. How are you guys? How are you guys meeting your market and changing the language and supporting each other? What's going on in the flower world?
1: The flower world is really exciting. Um, There's a new movement called the Slow Flower Movement, and that's um, in response to some policies that were enacted in the 90s where we had some trade agreements with South America, and South America got some deals and started importing flowers for a very cheap price. So like you were saying, we have um, almost 80% of all of the flowers sold in the United States are coming from Colombia and coming from Ecuador. So the prices are pretty low, they can grow flowers really well there, they have a really nice climate, they have uh, really low wages for workers. And in response to that, um, one of the more interesting things that's happened in the last three years that I've been growing flowers is I've met a lot of people, I go to a lot of different events and met a lot of ex-growers, mainly that were growing flowers in the 90s and asked them why they all quit and they all just said, the market just kind of got flooded with cheap stuff and didn't really have a full understanding as to why. It seemed like the story was missing, but um, Amy Stewart, a wonderful author who's written a lot of different books, she wrote a book um, called The Flower Confidential, and it's a a really great read, um, exposé on where flowers are coming from, and there are quite a number of us growing growing contingency of flower growers, even just in Sonoma County. And um, part of part of banding together has been one of the best things of having the farm. So about, hmm, not too many months ago, starting in May, I hosted the first flower farmer um, collective group at my house. And there were probably just five of us. And we all grow, cut flowers, and we all grow them a little bit differently for different markets. But it's a chance for us to get together and visit each other's farms once a month, be inspired by each other, talk shop, because a lot of the other meetings that are happening, which are wonderful, don't focus on flowers. And there's so many varieties that you grow if you um, want to really have a, a diverse bouquet. So. It's really wonderful that um, in the last meeting we had 19 people. So it's it's growing, and that's wonderful.
2: Well, so sometimes we talk, you know, we're talking a lot about cooperation lately and kind of in this Grange Future tour particularly about community logistics and what's the role and relationship between kinship and partnership and economic collaboration, and, you know, how does that provide a framework for our great retort against corporate monopoly. And, but that's all kind of vague. And I wondered if you could just talk about some of the specific activities that your flower growers are, are yeah. doing. Like, yeah, the, like what exactly are your collaborative actions and what exactly are you chatting about?
1: Yeah, so the, the last meeting we had was about crop planning and sharing what our plans are for the next year. And we have some florists in the group. So we were having direct feedback as to what people – really want grown for them so that we can provide that so that they're not having to drive all the way down to San Francisco Flower Mart past our farms to pick up flowers for, you know, more expensive price. Um, So that's one of the efforts was just crop planning and trying to figure out if we can diversify within our small farms to grow different perennials in particular so that maybe I'm a specialist in hydrangeas and someone else is a specialist in roses and that way we're not not having too much competition in terms of uh, diversity grown. Um, another great thing that we've been doing is there's a lot of great seed resources on saving seed for vegetables, but not so many on flowers. So the last meeting we had before, two meetings ago, we did a seed exchange and we traded the things that we've had success with growing a second season on, so things that come back that are have the nice stem length, how, true to color, and um, sharing those resources as well. And then one of the biggest things about working together, as most of us who have these small flower farms are not just the farmers, we're also the florists. Um, we're doing an added value product. So I do a lot of – can you still hear me? I hear you. Okay, good. So we do a lot of weddings and events, and I might need all purple flowers, but I grow, I'm grow, i growing 100 varieties of flowers in all colors, but I really need purple. So what I do is I call up my friends, and I visit their farms, and I am able to buy from them. So it's really about not only just sharing resources, but also sharing business and purchasing other flowers from, from each other to keep the cycle going of what we all need.
2: While well, we all need bread and we all need roses, um, <laughs> let's just talk a little bit about the bees. I, um, I know here in California there's discussion of regional spraying of neonicotinoids against the citrus psyllid and there's been incredible work done to support the bees with insectaries and plantings of natives and work and activism around uh, showing the impact on the bees of these chemicals that are used. I wonder if you can talk about your experience of the insect life in your fields, in your flower fields. and, yeah, um, definitely. I seeing. feel
1: like half the time I'm not even a flower farmer. I feel like I'm farming insects. It's incredible, and the height of the season is, is mid-August through the beginning of September, but... Um, one of the things I never quite realized before I'd always done urban agriculture. so there's always bees and a lot of a lot of invertebrates that you play with, but there's nothing quite like having a solid half acre of flowers as a host, so watching the season progress and having different insects come in throughout the season is incredible, and then realizing the insects are there in the height of the summer, and then you get the birds that come in after that, but the diversity of insects that I'm seeing in the field is one of one of the more exciting things so I have honeybees, but I also have a lot of native bees out there and um, my sister's an entomologist, so she's always out there geeking out and lots and lots of butterflies, lots of swallowtail butterflies monarchs um, live nearby a butterfly farm and we have we have a a greater number of butterflies coming here than than they do in this established garden. So it's one of those things that I hope everyone is planting flowers for our pollinators and planting, trying to plant flowers year-round, too, so that the insects have some food, not just in the height of summer, but on the ends of either season as well.
2: So we have to end pretty soon, but I wanted to just get your quick rundown for aspiring flower farmers, Uh, who, you know, maybe they did veggie veggie, CSA apprenticeship. Maybe they're following the typical path from wolf to apprenticeship to craft to farm manager, skip the loo, all the way up the farmer road, um, buying as good quality clothes as they can and reminding their parents to give them good quality clothes for every holiday and birthday. Um, What would be some of the right actions to take for beginning farmers who are thinking about the flower? component of their training and business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There's not one place that you could go necessarily to learn. Um, I'd say the Santa Cruz program is definitely one of the better ones that's teaching about cut flowers. But I have a lot of people that come out and help and teach workshops, and that's true of all the other flower farmers around this area. just volunteering to help and then also gaining the skills in floristry, it takes a bit of time to kind of come up with your own personal style and develop the hand strength and just figuring out how to put a bouquet together both quickly and elegantly and uniquely. And that comes with just practice and being out on a flower farm. is It's daily, daily picking the flowers they like a lot of attention. So there's always plenty of opportunities if you look around uh, local farms that are growing flowers, always need pickers and often need help ar- arranging too. So there's plenty of opportunities within that community to, to reach out and help. There's also professional development um, that sometimes is a little bit more expensive and I've gone the cheaper route, more self-taught and um, University of YouTube, a lot of the things that I've learned and then just really geeking out and following some of the things online that are, that are inspiring, um, being part of the Flower Farmer group on Facebook has been a really helpful tool, as well as just following some other favorite farms and seeing what they're doing and um, mimicking each other. It's pretty wonderful to notice that this is happening
2: in all different corners of the country and also a lot of fun teams where, you know, one partner is growing the flowers and the other partner is growing the vegetables and um, has their own little areas and it can get along peacefully as a result. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's really nice Uh, to see diversified farms having flowers too at their booth. I think it brings in, it's a celebration and that's the best part about being a flower farmer is you get to be part of people's special celebrations, you get to play Cupid and I think when a farm decides to start growing flowers, they immediately are happier themselves out in the field, and their customers are happier coming to their booths and seeing flowers and um, having a chance, even if it's just something like a simple bouquet of zinnias or sunflowers, that can really add value to a, a farm stand.
2: Bring some flowers to your table today. Feel like a bee. I want to make this moment uh, count by announcing a couple upcoming Greenhorn's events. Um, grange Future. Our tour continues. We are visiting our 12th grange in Yolo County with a seed swap and panel about the history of cooperation in KP Valley uh, by Paul Mueller, about the community logistics and process and activism of the Fiber Shed project. Um, with Rebecca Burgess, who's been rebuilding fiber shed, relationships, supply chain, and now building mills, wool mill and cotton mill in California to rebuild the local fiber production market and um, culture. And also, Neil Sapar, who is lead attorney of the Save Seed Sharing Campaign, which is a campaign uh, organized by a bunch of different partners working to inform citizens and enact enact appropriate uh, regulations around seeds. This is in response to a couple of shutdowns of seed libraries in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, um, where the 2004 seed law was applied in closing down citizens sharing seeds. So um, what—how can we understand the work of rebuilding regional seed? resiliency and these many new seed companies who are really focused on adaptive uh, seeds that are adapted to those regions? Um, What's the role for home gardeners and small farmers who are breeding seeds, saving seeds, sharing seeds? Um, And what are our rights and responsibilities as seed stewards and seed keepers outside the commodity framework? Um, And how can our laws reflect those best practices? Uh, so this is the kinds of conversations that we're having. Also, a seed swap. That's at the YOLO Grange um, in Gwenda uh, in coalition with the uh, YOLO Farmers Guild. And it starts at 5 p.m. All information is on grangefuture.org. Um, and then we have another Grange Future event on the 20th. Uh, the 20th of March in San Luis Obispo and then the 21st in Ojai, California. Um, we'll also be, as I mentioned, at EcoFarm doing the Beginning Farmer Mixer. And then March 17th and 18th is a doubleheader film series and panel events talking about land transition at the Brower Center in Berkeley. So if you're in the Bay Area, come join us, 17th and 18th of March. Movies include Hannah Ranch, and Brookford Almanac, and we have wonderful speakers as well. so that's my announcements. Any announcements from you before we sign off? Um,
1: no real announcements other than when those big holidays come around to think about the fact that there's not many flowers actually being grown, and you might be able to support a flower farmer by purchasing um, later in the season bouquet with a gift certificate but really think about where your flowers are coming from because we can do a lot of really positive action and change by supporting local farms um, and making a big difference by putting our money into organic flowers. You heard it here first. Put your money where your mouth is and also where your nose
2: is. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone, and thank you so much, Hedda, for joining.
1: Thank you so much, Severin. Thanks for all your work you do. All the best. Bye-bye.